Welcome, everybody. Roger, Nikki. It's a long two months, but we made it. The embarking of the 2021 NBA season is upon us. I still can't believe two months feels as long as it does, and we've, you know, on a normal basis, been surviving four months without the NBA season, but somehow, someway, Corona and 2020 has made things a lot worse than it should be, and it's felt a lot longer than it probably should. But... 2021 NBA season is upon us. How you guys doing? How how is 2020? 23's craziness been for you guys? I think uh, 2020 was a bad year, but I mean it was okay up until Giannis did his uh, re extension. You know, (laughs) (laughs) Raptor fans, right? So uh. I mean, as long as he was supposed to come here, so I fully understand that. It's okay. I mean, he's missing out on Taysa Danforth. He's not going to get a great Raptor experience. I mean, we're just going to have to beat him in the playoffs repeatedly until he <laughs> terrible life choice, right? So. He's going to pull the drain. He's gonna no, honestly, honestly, though, how, how close do you think he would have been to sign with Toronto next? Like, I, I think he would have signed like after, right? Like, so like next season, I guess. How, how does that as somebody completely not plugged into the basketball world i'm gonna say he was very he was we're his number one team outside milwaukee and it's a complete bias really? overview no i don't i don't know i don't it's <laughs> it's all conjecture at this point but uh, uh, you know the messiah the messiah connection is is evident and we have a, a team that can argue let's face it the rap and we can talk about this in a minute but the raptors should not have done as well as we did last year but we did it because we have a good team with a good coaching staff, and we could have taken him far. But my my very biased opinion is he was pretty much here, and then Milwaukee said, "Here's the bag." I mean, they they did their thing to to get the pieces that they got right. So, um, you know, they did their thing, and so let's see let's see if they can uh, get the success that they're hoping for. I don't think they will, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I don't know, Roger. What do you think? You think he's close? I mean, I mean, it's all speculation, but um, well, for me, it was. Uh, I think, I think, out of the free, like, if he was to leave um, Milwaukee, I think definitely the Raptors would have been in contention, um, just because I think we've shown we can win, we can really build a team around him, and it's it's a really good style of basketball that I think a lot of people would love to play in, and. Uh, I think uh, Giannis would have had a good time in Toronto, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, when the bag is presenting, you know, all of us, right? I'm sure all of us feel the same way. You can't say no to that kind of money, right? So, yeah, Milwaukee's, so. yeah, Milwaukee's signed his brother. Like, who's signing Thanasis unless you know, unless it's like pure nepotism or some kind of way to appease the you know Giannis? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, it, it's. A quarter, it's generational wealth at this point, right? Like a quarter of a billion dollars is not going to say no. So I fully understand it sucks. And if we've seen anything, disgruntled superstars, and it's, again, this is something we talked about last year where the CBA, even without Corona, probably was coming to like a big contention point. And I think it's probably going to go through now even more so. And again, my whole belief of next year being the last year before a lockout potentially is I think even more evident now where like these guys don't give a, they don't give a crap about um, money, which is completely understandable because you're getting, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars irrespective if you're the top player. Uh, 
and we've seen trades, especially I mean now with John Wall and Westbrook. There's ways that you can maneuver these these contracts. So if this doesn't work out, uh, I have faith in Masai kind of figuring my way out. Uh, and who knows? Yeah. Maybe he'll be here anyways. But, right, so. Yeah, yeah. But uh, kind of continuing this conversation further, I thought it would be good to you know just talk. Let's just talk about what happened with the bubble. We didn't do anything with bubble. It was. It's been a weird year, so uh, I think we all got sidetracked and everything. Just other things are coming on that were more important. But uh, we may as well just do an overview of what happened to bubble and uh, things that you kind of saw. Um. I guess started off, and one of the biggest things I saw was, and this is coming from a very misogynistic standpoint. This is to all the analytics people and all the all the new talking heads who said, "Oh yeah, these guys aren't gonna get women. They're gonna. This is gonna affect play. It, you know, it, it's gonna be a huge thing about uh, basketball play that the fact that they can't hit women, and that is a very very. Uh, it's very sad that they don't think that just because men can't have women for a couple of months, that we're not gonna be at peak performance. Because in my opinion, this was the best basketball um, I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and aside from that point, you guys can comment on on what you thought about the play. Uh, I'll I'll die on the ledge of uh, misogyny a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think about the play? I thought it was I thought it was really good. I mean, the first round we had some premier matchups, right? Like, and like remember we got treated to that Jamal Murray versus Donovan Mitchell round one seven game like 50 point back and forth i remember watching that and those guys could not would not miss it was it was incredible i mean the western conference playoffs has always been outstanding i mean even on the east side we had some really good games like, towards the second round and you know the bubble was really interesting just how um, each team had their own thing going on and yeah. How do you, you guys feel about? Yeah, Nikki, you. What do you think? Yeah, I think. Um, I think what's it called when when they had their pause? Uh, you know, once uh, COVID really kind of hit them, um, I think the one thing everybody was thinking about was just like, oh, you know, uh, some people aren't going to touch a basketball for a while, or it's just going to be this like lag in terms of what their physicality um, and their conditioning looks like uh, once the, the the bubble actually starts. I think that, you know, from a player standpoint, it's just like you don't want to be the odd man out to be lacking in their um, in their conditioning. Um, and so and also the competitiveness. And I think that was like kind of beyond, beyond what I what I expected. I, you know, I thought it was going to take a couple of games for, for guys to kind of get back into it. Um, but kind of right from the jump, I think I think guys are pretty, um, you know, they were pretty focused. Uh, the, the competition was great. Um, I think if anything, rather than the bubble really affecting the, the players a, a whole lot, it was more so just kind of like all of the other things that were kind of happening um, outside of the bubble with all the social things that were happening where um, it was kind of heavy on their hearts. Um, it, those type of things were kind of affected their psyche more. Um, and we saw, like even, even guys like Norman Powell was saying too, like that, that he those type of things or I think that he that was um, that he was thinking about that kind of like sometimes you know diverted his focus a, a little bit so I think um, 
and, you know, I mean, even pandemic P. <laughs> I feel I feel bad for him. I felt really bad for him until he got the bag uh, two days ago, and I'm like, okay, it's fine. I think he'll he'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I do not feel bad for him <laughs> at all. This is even this is even before he got the bag. <laughs> so, um, but I'm going on a tangent here, but I think yeah, competition was great. I enjoyed all all, all the matchups, um, and uh, you know, Lakers. Makers prove to be a dominant team. Yeah. What? Hey guys, quick question. What was out of all the playoff games, which playoff series was your favorite this year? I guess. Uh, all, all the one. The, my favorite probably was the Dev, the Utah Utah Denver series. Oh, that's a good series, yeah. That. That was. That it was wasn't good. good. It wasn't you know good basketball, quote unquote. Um, but just seeing Jamal Murray and. Uh, Donovan just go at it, no holds barred, just going back and back and forth. Uh, from you know, as a kid, you start you watch basketball. That's what you want to see is, is just two guys shooting lights out. Mm-hmm. How about you, Nikki? Yeah. yeah, I think I actually I actually think mine was uh, the like it's probably because I'm biased because I, I love the, the Raptors, but I think the Boston uh, the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors series were were really. Uh, Really good because I think that I guess thinking from like a co- uh, a coaching standpoint of like X's and O's, obviously both Brad Stevens and, and Nick Nurse are, are, are tremendous at what they do, um, being like very capable of making the right adjustments. Because um, that and that's what really, really what it comes down to, right? When it comes to playoff basketball, um, is you, when you're facing a team for seven games at most, it's like you're gonna have to make the adjustments on the fly because you know they have the scouting reports everybody knows everybody's tendencies um and so it was very intriguing for me to see kind of how they made their adjustments in terms of like you know the type of coverages that they made um and things of that nature so i think that would definitely be the favorite one and then obviously the og oh my um, God. Game that, that that was I, I jumped out of my seat when that happened yeah me too um, that was amazing yeah but yeah, yeah that was cool for you roger yeah, that you you were you took mine, um, but so I that one was definitely my favorite. Uh, it was just so back and forth. I mean, the Celtics were good, and the Raptors played played like defending champs, man. They they played it like they had every. They played like champs. They they played hard. They played good defense, and uh, you know we just I think we just kind of we did miss that superstar go to player in. Um, you know, obviously the previous season where we had Kawhi. And, you know, hopefully Siakam has a bounce back here. But, um, you know, hopefully he learns a little bit from that series. But that definitely was my favorite series. Um, but I guess another series that reached, you know, up there for me was that Houston Rockets um, OKC Thunder series. I mean, you had Chris, cool. James Harden, the kind of like grudge match. Uh, you know, everyone had really high expectations for the Rockets with their – you know, kind of like their last go around, you know, right when they traded for Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook, we were like, okay, this is it, right? Like if James can't make it work with his best buddy, like we don't know what's going to happen. And obviously we're seeing the repercussions now and like you know, they've they're kind of retooled their whole system, brought in a new head coach, brought in a new GM. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was a really good series, surprisingly. And uh, yeah, it was cool to watch. That Raptor series still hurts, man. It, 
that, that, that last sequence, I still don't. I, I I legit still watch it every now and then. Where why do you call a timeout? Why did why do you call a timeout? Why did Fred Why? Oh. He had he was double coverage on him, and he shot the three without. And this isn't even on Fred. This is on literally everybody. Is mm-hmm. uh, you have the last shot to win a win out of and also by the way sidebar the fact that the this Raptors team got to game seven. To me, I, I love that. And against a Boston team that's been touted as this amazing thing for, what, seven years now? When they'll get there, I'm not sure. Well, seven, probably like five now. But it, I, I was really proud of them. But then that last shot, I was watching this thing, and I just see Fred chuck it with double coverage on him and uh, and a timeout. And the fact that they didn't call it, it was just it, it kind of sucked. It was bittersweet. Yeah. I think, I think they were just tired. Um, I think everybody was um, just uh, physically and, and mentally. Um, so I really think that's really what it comes down to. I feel like mentally, I think Boston was a little stronger, um, which kind of allowed them to to move on to to the uh, conference finals. You think that changes though? If maybe Fred hits that, or we get that last shot. That thought, because uh, because well, that, that's my thing. It's like these these no. one possession things. It's it's arguable. I, I like going into what ifs and buts. Yeah. Because, right. If we're talking about that, then Philadelphia fans are gonna bring up that Kawhi shot, right? So, I mean, with that, well, it's all just you, you either do it in the moment or you don't. Shots go in, shots don't go in. Bad calls get made, and um, you know, kudos. I did feel like the Raptors were a great team. I did feel like. Celtics were the better team. In fact, they did. And I think the Raptors had a chance to beat them for sure if they executed properly, or even if they hit some of the, the three pointers that they were getting right. But um, I mean, Boston is a tough team defensively and also offensively, right? Because you really have a lot of they have a ton of weapons like in Kemba, Jalen, Jason Tatum. So, um, but I mean, it was a good series. So, yeah, yeah. Uh... Yeah, I think those are three good series. And what did you guys think about the three other things I kind of really wanted to talk about was because uh, all the other seeds are great, but the late the Clippers choking. It's I mean again, this is a little a few months later. You have a lot more reporting coming out of this, but it we kind of could have we could have foreseen this happening. No, is. This super, this team of divas with Beverly, with Lou Will, Harold, uh, and just compl- and a team like that. Not you know, if these two guys just come to town and they're getting special treatment, them getting jealous of that aspect. I, I feel like we could have seen that coming, and it seems as though that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean, to, yeah, I mean to add to that, right? Um, I think it was a short interview between Kawhi and Lowry after the 2019 championship. And, and I think, uh, I think it was Rachel Nichols asked them like, you know, how they did it. And like, you know, if there were any issues during the year. And I think Kyle and, and Kawhi even said that, yeah, I mean, there will like, there was something there. And I highly suspect it, it has to do with the same thing, right? Like when Kawhi sitting out games and gets like preferential treatment, and like you get all these other guys that have to work the same. Yeah. And, uh, 
right? That really depends on like the team to kind of understand like whether like what the big picture is, what the goal is, right? And some teams can put it past them, and some teams can't, right? And I think with the Clippers, I mean, they were just a lot of talking and not a lot of. And I, I, you're right, right? Like you know, the Raptors have a clear organization, a clear structure. Like you know, from our top town, our president to our coaching staff to you know, Kyle Lowry's clearly the leader of the team. Um, and I think on the Clippers, it was just guys who they're, they're good players. Right. But you know, what, what really was the system in place there? So we arguably had them probably first, right? Before the season started. Yeah. All three of us. Yeah, I, I, I would use Tom last season, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah last season. Last season. Talent-wise, yes, I, I did have them first, in my opinion. I thought that they had the talent to win it all, so. Nicky, would you say that too? Yeah, yeah, same. I uh, I didn't think that much at the time last season when it started where uh, you were talking about guys being divas and guys having preferential treatments and things like that. I, I didn't put all that into my consideration when I thought about them kind of coming out as, as like the winner or at least being very successful in that. Um, I think once the season starts to progress, uh, you know, all of the things that kind of happen in the playoffs in terms of like their continuity and, and the things of that nature, um, obviously was no surprise to, uh, to everybody. Um, I think that, you know, Roger, you brought up a, a good point about, you know, back when Kawhi was in Toronto with Kyle being obviously the clear cut leader um, of the team. When it comes to the Clippers, I'm just trying to think about who's the leader on that team. It's not Kawhi, it's not Paul George, it's not really Beverly. Just because he talks loud and talks a lot doesn't mean he's a leader, right? Who is the leader on that team? I don't know. So I think I think they needed a person um, to kind of like be that guy, to be the leader, to kind of bring them back collectively in terms of like refocusing on what their ultimate priority needed to be. And I think they kind of let all the um, all the other stuff just kind of like take hold of and kind of blur what their what the true goal um, should have been, and you know obviously that led to them uh, having such great success in the playoffs. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. When um, Paul George is shooting three pointers off the side of the backboard, right? So you know. Like- Come on, guys. Like, <laughs> okay, if it wasn't for the bag, man, that it sucks that that's like a lasting memory. Yeah, but that's exactly what it is. Right? Like, come on, Paul. Like, uh, he's such a talented player. It's just, I don't know. I, I feel bad and not bad at the same time. I don't know. I feel a little bit of both for you guys. Do you think they got yeah, something about that? I want to. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go, you go, you go. Um, but something about that I want to bring up um, was uh, so I listened to All the Smoke um, pod from uh, what's it called Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. They were interviewing uh, Paul George, and he was talking about how you know Doc Rivers wasn't using him well and was using him like Ray Allen on pin downs when he needed the ball and doing pick and rolls and stuff like that. I thought that was hilarious because I really never saw a lot of like quote unquote Ray Allen type of plays. You know when they were kind of running their offense it was a lot of just like Kawhi or, or pg just kind of dribbling the ball around right and so i think at the end of the day it really just like all of that type of stuff it's like like dude you hit the 
ball at the side of the backboard. Okay, I don't care <laughs> what else anybody else like says, right? Like you clearly had you were struggling, and, and you know, and and that's cool. But just at least have have a lack of like ownership. And that's really in terms of like when I when I think of leadership, I, I also think of ownership in the in the same in the same respect, right? Like you know, to kind of put it into perspective, like Siakam. Obviously, everybody understood his um, understood and seen his struggle in the in the uh, playoffs last year, and kind of leading up to the preseason this year, he was saying how he you know rewatched uh, game tape of the playoffs and how you know it was kind of hard to watch himself uh, make the mistakes that he did that he did make and how he was going to improve upon that come this season, and that's the type of ownership that a leader really should have, right? And um, and you know Paul George didn't really have that, and so let's see if he can really make that adjustment. Um, I don't know if Teron Lu is really gonna be that guy to really change that because I feel like you know if, if that's really just how Paul George is as wait wait wait, wait, wait. Let, let's, let's keep this for the, the, let's keep this this thought for the next uh, aspect because um, I I do want to talk I think we're gonna talk about these guys more later on. Um, but I, I think we, all three of us, kind of agreed that they really messed up, um, in, in in the in the bubble. One team that didn't, oh, well, two teams that didn't were the Heat and the Lakers. Uh, we can tackle, we'll tackle both of them. But man, this Lakers team with this uh, with this twin head of LeBron and AD, I. Again, people were very high on them coming into the season, but it feels as they just completely overachieved, right? Or not overachieved, but they they beat those stats or they beat those projections, which is even crazier um, to think about. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I think the question marks that everyone had, everybody knew that LeBron and AD would be great, but like how their team would gel how their team would work together. And I think they really found a good chemistry on their team. And I think like, you know, with that, it's definitely the pieces, you know, having Rondo as a good secondary unit, having a guy like Caruso that could do a bunch of stuff, you know, the, the kudos to their team to add all these like seasoned veterans that really wanted it. Right. Like you, you have guys like Dwight who, you know, knew his role and was willing to take it like the proper role. And then at the center of it all, man, you have LeBron, man. Like LeBron is special, man. Like he, you just put him in on any team and he plays winning basketball and he is an exceptional leader, right? So you have the guy who's a clear best player who you can look to in any kind of situation. You have Anthony Davis, who is, you know, the best big man in the game right now. And like both Anthony Davis and LeBron's style complements each other. And I think really having that confidence as a team in the playoffs to really not waver. And you could kind of see it last year with the Raptors, right? We knew we had Kawhi who could get us that shot anytime we needed. And I think that elevates your team too, right? They play it with confidence. When you make a mistake, you kind of just move past it. And I think the Lakers just had a really good bond and chemistry. And, you know, they seemed like they had a lot of guys that wanted to win and, and they worked out really well together. So I think the chemistry was off the charts for them. Yeah. Nick. Yeah. Uh, did you guys think that? So I think leading up to when the, uh, the, when the bowl restarted, 
Um, I think the Lakers went, they didn't have like the greatest record leading up to the, the playoffs. Did you guys think that, uh, did you guys have any doubt about the Lakers when they had that, um, that stretch last season? Uh, I personally didn't. I, like, I mean, you have LeBron James, and a team with LeBron James is going to win you guaranteed like 45 games. <laughs> um, so you knew for a fact that he it was going to be good. But I looked at this a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, AD and LeBron on our stats are like 25 points difference when they're on uh, versus when they're not on. Which is uh, you're looking at like historical level um, stuff, and it's insane. Yeah, it, 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 I think their biggest issue was can the other guys stand up um, and support them uh, as player as kind of like the supporting staff, and I think they figured that out personally. Yeah, KCP. Yeah, yeah, KCP, yeah. Rondo was, like, absolutely humongous. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, for me, um, the only – yeah, I, I didn't really – like, when they have that slump, I didn't really doubt their capabilities in the playoffs just because uh, being a Raptors fan and dealing with that. <laughs> oh, my God. On a down year. Only, wow, uh, the Pacers took them to seven games. We got this. And then he just came out and slapped the shit out of us. <laughs> So, um, I don't know. Ever since then, I never doubted LeBron. The only the only true test I thought they would have was the Clippers. Um, I thought that the Clippers would be their greatest challenge, just because the, you know they had the tools, quote unquote, on paper to play against the Lakers. But you know, obviously, we saw how that went. I mean, they look really good, right? The Clippers they had a three one series lead, and then. You know, obviously Denver is a fantastic team too, but um, they really fell apart as a team. Right, you got to close that series. But to answer your question, yes and no, I guess, but mostly no because you know LeBron James is the best player on the planet, right? So, yeah, I think one one thing that you know everybody just kind of like forgets about too, aside from obviously you know LeBron and AD being the uh, the duo that they are. Um, the rest of the guys on the team has uh, number one has good chemistry and also has good length. I think. Or being in their position, um, which which, and you know, defensively, if they if uh, they're caught up on screens or whatever, and they need to, you know, um, switch on the screens, it's like they have a little, a little bit more versatility than a team that doesn't have that length. Um, and we kind of really saw that play into uh, to play into effect when they were facing the the, the Heat in the finals. Yes, I guess that's a good uh, segue segue over to uh, the Heat. And what did you? The, for me, at least, the biggest thing is Jimmy Butler and his uh, ability to do what what he did. Uh, that man, that for me is probably like a top five, top three um, postseason effort or, or like a finals effort in the last at least 15 years that I can, I mean, since I've been watching basketball. Uh, he averaged, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I mean, you can't, you can't argue with that. I mean, uh, I love Jimmy as a player, and we kind of saw him kind of grow up too, right? Being from uh, Oklahoma, from Chicago, and then, and then you know, uh, Minnesota and then Philly, and then he, and then uh, the Heat. He is just 
one of those players that's just really a throwback type of player, you know, just real. And in terms of the whole heat as well, too, like just really a bunch of guys that are just like blue collar, right? Just, just hard work and just grind it out. Um, so it was just really fun to watch them play. Uh, and uh, But it was just unfortunate to, to see them, you know, kind of lose the, the way that they did. Um, but but they, they put up a good fight, um, especially with, uh, you know, Dragic and, and Bam having um, injuries at the beginning also. Yeah, yeah, my... Miami was I like them a lot just because they kind of are very they are fun to watch to be honest they, they really move the ball while they have a lot of like cutter like they, they're really good with the their cutting and their ball movement is really nicely done um they're just very nice on defense too I like I mean against the Milwaukee series they they formed that wall like beautifully and just their players were able to lock up a lot of the other players. But, you know, I mean, it's a different story when you're guarding LeBron and AD. But um, um, I really like their team. And just, you know, they like you said, the blue collarness. they don't have a household household name. Like Jimmy Butler is clearly their leader and their best player. But who in the beginning of last season had Jimmy Butler leading the heat out of the Eastern Conference? I don't think a lot of analysts or anybody had that, right? So... Um, yeah, I mean, the Heat were a good team, and I really like their coaching system, and kudos to also Pat Riley. Like, it just goes to show how much, uh, you know, a good system in place and a good team um, ownership from top down can really affect a team and, you know, affect a culture, as Miami Heat likes love to call it, right? So, um, I think one thing that worked out for them is they their path to the finals was very, very much – one that benefited them um, facing facing uh, Indiana in the first round who were banged up and didn't really have a system going into it. Uh, they were fresh and you know, it's the, the heat culture, the heat system is going to win you at least a couple of games every postseason, right? And against Indiana, I think they were just better against Milwaukee. Again, I bet this, I bet them in, uh, in, in five. So thank you, Miami for, a couple hundred bucks. It was, it was a great, nice little win for the for the for the season uh, for the postseason. But against that Milwaukee team, which literally, and this speaks more into uh, Coach Bud, who should really figure out a way to be a better coach, in my opinion. I mean, he gets you to the playoffs and then and then does runs the exact same scheme um, every single year because that's exactly what he did this year as well. Um, the doing. Yeah, yeah, and, and now we can talk about the whole uh, Bledsoe issue and the fact that he can't shoot in the postseason, and I think Drew Holiday is going to be amazing for them because I love that guy, and I think he's going to do really well. But they ran into the same issue where you give it to Giannis, you tell him to do the same stuff, and you drive and you kick, or you take it to the hoop. That's great, but a team like Miami is going to figure that out without a, 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 even a speck of doubt. And they just railroaded that team. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't even funny. Um that Chris Middleton game uh, was a game four where they somehow ended up winning. Um, but it, it, that, that worked out really well for them. And then against Boston, I think Boston had a long series um, against Toronto. I think they were a bit more tired and they, again, they got outmatched. They got outplayed. Jimmy Butler came up huge in that, that series as well. And, you know, we saw glimpses of what Tyler Hill, like what kind of a player Tyler Hill was going to be. Um, and they just got outmatched, and and it, it really sucks the 
the big thing is uh, Bam not being completely healthy because I really think that guy would have made a bit more of a difference against the Lakers. Um, then he he got the chance to kind of do. Uh, at the end of the day, he yeah, what did he, he ended up getting? Eleven points? No, he ended up getting fifteen points per game, um, but he only played four of the six games. And we've seen Bam Adebayo and what kind of an impactful player he can be. In it's unfortunate that he wasn't there. But in terms of like, sorry, going back to Jimmy Butler, the craziest thing for me, at least, is he he didn't he didn't care about the three point line, and I think we're going to see this probably going on more and more into the playoffs, where teams are just going to realize the NBA season and the playoffs are completely different, and the three it, you just try to get the best shot possible because every possession matters. Um, because Jimmy Butler shot, he only scored four three pointers throughout the whole series, and he only attempted thirteen, um, and still managed to get twenty six points again. So. The fact that he did that and the fact that he just defensive played 43 minutes a game and he just led this team like it was nothing else, it's, it's just insanity to me. Especially now that you think about it and how arduous of a process it was that, again, and, and this is the big thing, taking a team like Miami, which only had, um, I think, one other, uh, two other guys who are above the age of 30 <laughs> uh, into the finals. Right, we don't expect that. You need at least we say you need two to three superstars to win this chip, and he took a twenty-year-old Tyler Hero, uh, and a broken Goran Dragic and a broken Bam Adebayo uh, into the finals and into competitive finals, in my opinion. Yeah. It's just so cool to see uh, Jimmy just being able to uh, just get to his spots. So you you were mentioning about how he didn't really attempt a, a whole lot of threes, um, and. You really just got to his spots, right? You know, his his spots were really just taken to the cup or mid-range. And there were times where I remember seeing the defense really just sagging so much where they, like, literally gave, like, a couple feet um, where, where Jimmy was just standing at the three-point line. Jimmy literally just walked in and just, you know, pulled up. You know, yeah, that was the craziest got... thing. That's right. Yeah. They, they and, tried and doing they the crowd. So cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the credit to him and... I felt really bad for him, especially what was that game? Was it game three or game four where Jimmy scored, uh, was that 40 points or something like that? And I remember him just like, I think he got fouled or something. It was game three. Was game, three. Like at the, game three. And he was just um, kind of behind the, the basket and, and he looked so tired. And yeah. you were saying he was playing 40 something minutes. Played 43 minutes. 43 game. minutes uh, a game for the series. That's insane. He literally just put that team on his back. Um, but they'll be better next year. I mean, this even though they lost um, last year, I, it's a it's a good experience for the whole team. Um, I th- really think that experience is really the, the, the one thing that, that they were just lacking. Um, I, it'll be they'll benefit them um, you know, for the, this upcoming playoff run and, and the other ones in the future as well. Yeah, uh, Roger, anything to add? Yeah, no. I mean, I think. I think Miami is a very talented team, and I think they're really good. Um, but at the end of the day, I still believe it's a superstar team. I think they're one piece away. So if they added another guy, a go-to score, or maybe if Tyler Hero became that go-to score, then I would say that they would have the pieces there. Um, and I believe that their system even believes it, right? Because they were trying to make cap space in order to sign Giannis. Obviously, they signed Bam, but I think you know a lot with a lot of that has to do with the fact that Bam and 
Giannis share a same agent. So I, I definitely think that the Lakers or sorry, the Heat had an inside scoop on that. So um, but we'll see. I mean, I think the Heat are kind of excellent structure in place. And I think that they're going to be competitive as long as they have those young players. Plus, if Jimmy can stay healthy. Um, yeah, I mean, we saw we faced them in preseason a couple of days ago and they look really good even without Butler. So. Yeah, they're home, and the, this. I mean, we can talk about. It. Um, might have a little bit of conversation later on, but um, they have a little bit of a. Their cap space situation isn't as bad as most teams. They still have. They're 124 million for the year, and I think they have their mid mid level exception still remaining, so they can add people to the trade market. Um, for this year, which will be really good for them. Um, because again, uh, they didn't do anything for this season apart from, um, apart from their draft and, you know, you'd like to grow a little bit somehow. And I think precious, precious Achiwa is maybe going to be a rotation player. Uh, and that's their only way they could have improved. I think, uh, I don't know if you guys watched college basketball, but Memphis was a big. I like them uh, because of Penny Hardway, and uh, I think Ichiro might be a, a good rotation player. So there's a chance, there's a chance they could they could get better just through that if they don't end up actually uh, trading for somebody. So uh, it was it's good. Um, I think Miami has a, and we're going to talk about this in the second half of this, where I think they're going to be a pretty decent team and they're going to have a chance to be contender to some extent. So. Uh, more power to them and hoping for the best of them. Uh, but yeah, so if you guys have anything else on uh, Miami, or let's, let's talk about the Raptors. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about. Uh, yeah, we can talk about them. And I think we went over. Uh, for me, at least, we talked about as much as I think I want to add. It's just the biggest scare. And again, we're going to talk about them when we do an overview for the next season. Is I'm scared for Pascal because that that performance was was not it. Uh, from from my standpoint and and how how he showed up and I, and you see these in his, in the promo and it seems to be he understands that as well. But my God, was that bad? Yeah. What do you what do you think he he was lacking? What do you guys think he was lacking the most? Um, in terms of just like the way that he was approaching game. Because I think what I've seen. I'm sure you guys seen it as well uh, in the playoffs where he really just tried to force the issue um, a lot of times when it really wasn't there. Um, and that ultimately just added on to his frustration, added on to his uh, you know, bad shooting percentages and things like that. So what do you guys think he needs to add come this season? You uh, yeah, well, personally for me, obviously one of the struggles Pascal has is that um, – especially as a number one option is kind of, he has the same problem as Giannis, right? Where um, he's not a great shooter. Um, one thing also Pascal's handles aren't as tight as they need to be for a guy to create his own shot. Um, he doesn't have really a mid range, like, you know, any of the, the superstars have, or, you know, his three point, his three pointer wasn't great either. So, a lot of times you just kind of see people building, doing the same thing to Giannis as they were doing to Pascal and just kind of building the wall. Um, and I think Pascal does lose a lot of confidence where, you know, he knows he's the number one guy. So 
he kind of forces it and gets like off his game. He really needs a couple of easy baskets first to kind of build that flow of the game. And I think it's up to like Nurse and the coaching staff and also Pascal to kind of figure that like something out for them. And, you know, I mean, you know, I think we're a little harsh and quick to judge too, right? That was Pascal's first season as a full-blown superstar. We had a guy in Toronto, DeMar DeRozan. I mean, we all love him to death, but, you know, he had the same struggles in the playoffs, right? And he was, a, I would say, a much more polished player than um, Siakam. But like I said, I mean, I like what Pascal still brings. He still brings a lot of length, a lot of defense. He runs the floor hard, and um, hopefully he puts the time in the gym in the offseason and the coaching staff can really try to help him figure some stuff out. So, yeah, that's my I think the biggest thing was that what you just said was uh, he was the number one guy and you have to be able to play ISO and which requires, especially in the playoffs, which requires you to be a multifaceted guy. You have to be a triple threat literally every single sequence. And unfortunately, I don't, he did, I don't think he understood, he realized like how much of the game probably changed um, in the playoffs. And again, it's his first time uh in the playoffs and in, in the role that he, he got. And also, considering the guy and when he picked up basketball, it, you just haven't had the reps, I think, uh, to get to uh, what we needed from him, I think, in the playoffs. Uh, compared to last year, we're roughly 8% less um, of his possessions uh, came from uh, assisted. So, like, uh, in 2018-2019, for, uh, roughly 54% of his uh, two-pointers were actually assisted. This year, only 47%. So, you know, you had roughly a 6% delta in, in the amount of possessions he's getting that are from that are created from help with the other guys. Um, so a lot more ISOs pretty much is the, long, the easy way to say it. And I think his game is probably going to have to involve, you know, where if it's, oh, I can't. I can't get my, my, my score up through this way. I have to either pass, dribble in. Or, like, he can't be the guy who just pulls up, gets confused, and then um, puts up a bad shot, uh, which I feel as though he did a lot of in, in, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like, uh, I was, my, my surprise, at least, was that we went away from him just, you know, if he's getting a few possessions where he's not getting baskets, instead of taking a really bad three-pointer from uh, from the top of the arc or something, we should have put him in the corner and gave him the corner threes. I mean, he shoots those relatively well. And he last year, he actually, in the playoffs, he shot them for, at a 42% club. Um, we just didn't go to him in those corners. Um, again, because he became more of a focal point for, for the offense. Uh, and how that's going to evolve this year, uh, it'd be interesting, especially considering... We didn't get another person who can alleviate some of the pressures. And now I think a guy like Aaron Baines and Chris Boucher stretching the floor is going to help a lot because especially in those posts, uh, when he gets the ball in the low post, that's going to create more space because Aaron Baines is a lot better of a shooter than Marcus Hall is. And, uh, you know, hopefully Chris Boucher evolves as well because his role is going to be a lot bigger. And I drafted him in my fantasy team for that exact reason. Um <laughs> And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that spacing is not going to allow him to, especially in the playoffs, is going to give him that low post attack option um, at a better, better. Like either you drive and you you post up and you score, or you can kick it out to these guys to shoot a three. 
Yeah. So something kind of uh, came into my mind just now as you were talking about, um, you know, Baines and Boucher and, and Siakam. Um, I was thinking about like, I don't know if you guys kind of noticed this, even with um, back when DeRozan was in, on the Raptors. Um, they Raptors have this thing, uh, this play in their playbook where they kind of run a lot of flex action, and that really is just a lot of like pretty much on like screens that just keep happening right so you have yeah. somebody setting a screen and then somebody gets a uh, somebody sets a screen for that guy and this guy receives it back and things like that so i think they can utilize that a lot more in terms of getting siakam to set a lot of those screens first before he gets to the spots that he needs to get to i think would kind of help him have better touches and a higher percentage um touches to kind of like build on uh onto his um confidence because i think like you know the you kind of really want to start off with the easiest ones as possible so even maybe you know starting the game with like a couple couple consecutive touches for him in those plays or or other methods um will definitely benefit him and also the raptors as well yeah i agree roger yeah for sure um i mean i think um i think it's a learning experience and uh yeah, that's all I got to add. All right. Yeah, and I, we're going to talk. We may as well just move on to the second aspect of, and where I wanted to talk about because I think one, one thing I did want to, before we finish off the bubble, uh, this was kind of interesting to me when I was looking at it. Uh, I, I kind of just wanted to see how teams have done in the bubble. Um, you know, wh- what are we seeing in terms of just general over general trends and things like that? And one of the cool things was, uh, and this is why I think saying referees suck is a stupid, stupid chant, uh, because it it makes fan makes uh, refs a lot less like uh, they may, it makes them a lot more cautious and you know reserved rather than giving proper calls. What you saw in the bubble was fouls were way up, right? Uh, we had roughly five extra fouls being called per game. Uh, with shooting fouls being the highest and again teams that shoot the three like the raptors would like to would benefit if uh if you know fans were a little bit nicer and weren't stupid and said referee suck literally every every chance they got uh roger knows what a big pet peeve of this mine is it's it's the stupidest thing is uh when you chant like this like you're putting extra pressure on the guys that legitimately can decide the fate of your team and as the inverse effect, <laughs> it 100 does. Like, and you, and, you, and we saw in the bubble, we went from roughly 41 fouls a game to roughly 46, uh, which is you know equivalent. Of, like, assume they're all shooting fouls. Again, we don't have to, um, but if, if there are shooting fouls, it's an extra three, three to four points you're getting right. Uh, and the other interesting trends was uh, shooters were just better. Uh, since the restart, they shot about 49% from the field and uh, the, in, in shots that were closely defended and 43% when they were wide open, which is kind of interesting if you think about it. Um, versus before the break, they were shooting 46% and 42% if they're open. So a delta of for closely defended shots of 2.43% and for wide open, it's rough, just under three quarters of a percent. Um, it... That that part that stat was I mean you expect it because less pressure and everything that shooters are going to shoot better, but the fact that closely defended shots are still um, are going up that much more versus this wide open shots I don't I don't 
know why that will be the case and i still don't have it's, it's happened for a number of years and i've always wondered why uh you know these closely defended shots ended up being higher higher you shoot better if you're more closely defending the wide open i guess but yeah both of those numbers went up um that's interesting i think i i think even playing well i mean you guys play ball too i think um when it comes to wide open shots all the all the pressures kind of on you right to especially if you're really wide open like everybody's just looking at you to make the shot if you miss it's you have this it's almost like um let's say if there are fans in the building and you get a wide open shot it's almost like everybody stands up and they kind of like take this deep breath and they're expecting that shot to go in a splash everybody goes crazy like i'm talking about if like if it's the home crowd um and then but if it doesn't there's this huge sigh or like oh like damn you missed that yeah yeah yeah, i think it's just it's really just that. It's just the added pressure of being in such an open space when you get the ball um, versus, you know, all these NBA players, they always practice contested and, and game speed, um, game type of uh, shots anyway. So I think when they are, you know, somewhat contested, it's really just their kind of like second nature really taking over um and really kind of honing in on, on that target rather than anything else um so i think i really think that's kind of like the main reason probably yeah exactly to nikki's point it's a matter of when you're open you're just overthinking it right you're getting in your own head telling yourself that like hey this is a wide open shot i got it <laughs> when you're doing a contested jump shot that's a really interesting statistic but like i'm surprised there was that yeah it, it increased two percent more um but when you're doing your, you're doing. I think it's almost like we can attest that to like the whole Markel Fultz syndrome, right? Like, it's like when he does his like pull up jumper, it looks okay. Versus when he does a free throw, it looks horrendous because it's like almost when you go into your move, you don't have time to think about how your shot's gonna be. So it's your body just moves based off muscle memory. Versus when you're shooting a wide open shot, you're like, all right, gotta hit this. The crowd's on, you know. I, or LeBron's gonna fucking trade me, right? Like, so it's a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of mental. That's good, true. AKA Dan Green, you know? <laughs> Shots fired. Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> LeBron's gonna trade me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I, that's, I think you guys are right. Uh, it just a, just the delta was was surprising too. It's like you're shooting two percent better. And okay, I I had a feeling that basketball would be better just because of that whole aspect of pressure. And these guys are just shooting in the gym pretty much, and take away pressure from a lot of these guys, and things just get better. Um, it it was just yeah, this just the delta was kind of crazy to me. Um, but again, it's to be a certain extent uh, it was expected. Uh, but yeah, to continue on. Let's just talk about the second half. The 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 meat of what I wanted to have the conversation today was uh, preparing us for next season. And the way the way I was thinking about we just talk about it is the NBA in the acronym NBA, uh, where N is a novelty, B is the bookum, and A is the arrived. And the way I wanted to at least phrase this was the novelty teams are the ones that or no, novelty aspects of the seasons the season are are themes and, and teams that a lot of people are talking about that they're going to be great and i or we think that they might not necessarily be as good as uh, as they look on paper so my number one thing is the suns i don't think the phoenix suns are 
not just not as good as people are claiming them to be with the addition of Chris Paul, but I don't think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be worse than they were last year. Um, last year they ended up getting into the bubble. They had 34 wins. They were they were uh, what eight and zero, right? Um, yeah, they were eight and zero. They didn't lose a game, uh, and they proceed again. You have to do this if you're a front office team. You have to get better and you have to get more marquee players. They ended up trading away. Um, Ricky Rubio and now Kelly Uber is gone. Uh, Ty Jerome, a bunch of your 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 draft assets given to OKC, who literally has I think eighty five percent of next decade's picks, um, and you ended up getting a guy like Chris Paul on your team. You got Langston Galloway. Uh, you added some. You but in my opinion, I don't think they added up enough depth to a system in what is going to be a very competitive Western Conference, um, especially in. Now with the ball and and their division specifically is going to be probably a little bit more competitive than it was last year. I mean, um, the Kings are have arguably gotten better with this guy with uh, Tyrese Halliburton. I think he's going to be asleep. He's probably going to be the rookie of the year in my opinion. And uh, with Golden State, also, um, it sucks that Clay's not here, but they still added more depth. They got Kelly Oubre, they got uh, Wiseman and, and Steph's back. So. Um, add a couple more losses. I just don't think the Suns are as good uh, this year as last year. Interesting. <laughs> I actually have Suns. I actually have Suns in, uh, well, I guess I would categorize like teams in the arrived as like teams to look out for. So I, that's actually, I have the Suns there instead. So that's, that's going to be interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So then, then you can give off your, one of your novelties. Okay. Uh, well, for me, so this is so when you say novelty, just just to reiterate, this is teams that um, people say will be really good, but they probably actually won't be. Yeah, it, it, that's that's the way I thought I thought about it. Or you can even talk about you know players if you want, but yeah. Uh, it's funny. I have Brooklyn <laughs> as the first, the first team that's here. Yeah. I think um, given you know. I don't think I needed to say anything really much about Katie and Curry, um, the addition of, you know, Steve Nash and, and all uh, his basically Phoenix Suns roster as the co- um, coaching staff. Um, but I think, you know, aside from KD and Kyrie and DeAndre, it's like, what else do you guys have that, you know, can, uh, to me, can prove that you guys are like a legitimate, like contender um, and until I really see that kind of like when it matters most um, in, in, in the in the playoffs, um, I'm really not going to put a lot of you know um, stock on on, on their uh, success. Like I think obviously they'll they'll be in the playoffs for sure. They'll 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 do pretty decently. But I just don't think they will be the automatic like oh conference finals. I don't think they're going to be that team unless. They can get some other pieces, um, and especially with this, like we don't know what um, is going to happen with this whole James Harden thing, right? If James Harden would be the guy to join them, that even depletes their their second unit even more, because right? they obviously yeah. probably have to get rid of Levert um, or include Levert rather in that package um, of, of acquiring um, James Harden and also probably a couple others. As well, so I'm really interested to see what they do with the rest of that roster outside of Katie and Kyrie, and seeing how how that chemistry looks like for me that uh, to help me determine 
you know, whether I think they'll be a legitimate like contender that will go really deep into the playoffs. Ooh, I actually, I, I actually have an like opposing opinion to that because it's like okay. they have, uh, they have, you know, they have established players that have made the playoffs already in the last two years, right? It's the same roster pretty much, like Karis Levert, Jared Allen, uh, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, right? So that's their supporting cast. I think the problem on with the Brooklyn Nets is going to be that whole Clipper syndrome, right? How are their two guys going to be as leaders? Like we've never seen. You know, we've seen KD win it all on Golden State, but let's be real, like, like Golden State was penciled in almost as a victory. And we've seen Kyrie as, a, you know, LeBron's Robin. So we've never really seen either of those guys be leaders of the team. So I think they have all the talent there is on paper and also, you know, barring injuries. But, you know, I mean, we can move on to that because I think um, I still got to give – my novelty team. Um, well, my novelty team. Wait, wait, no, no. I, I don't want to go off for Brooklyn because I actually have them as a novelty too. Uh, oh, okay. And I just are we in like lower than their expectations, or like they're not making the playoffs at all? Like both. It, it, the, the main idea of it is just you know, it's a, it, everybody's kind of talking about them. They're going to do well. We just don't necessarily think them as doing as well as a lot of people are talking about them. My big thing, my big reasoning is um, actually injuries because the Achilles, irrespective of who you are, is, is it's kind of, it, it messes up your whole kinetic, um, you know, the makeup structure of how you walk. And I, again, with the ACL that I've torn, it's messed up my equilibrium. And again, I'm a, I'm a, bas- I'm, I'm a amateur basketball player. So I, I know these things. Oh, <laughs> It, 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 all these things, like, it messes up. I mean, again, irrespective of how much rehab you get in, you see this with, like, what happened to Clay, and it's unfortunate that that hamstring weakness led to his ACL tearing, and then arguably the weakness with that led to his um, Achilles. And uh, this is not science substantiated, but, I like, in all honesty, that's, I think, what it is. It's just, it messes up your whole equilibrium, messes up all that. And a guy like Cade, KD, who again, albeit doesn't have an explosive game, he has an outside game. That's still, I feel, going to affect the, his game mentally to a certain extent. And then it comes down to, do they just have enough to last a year? And that's why I, I, I'm not as high on them because I've, I don't think Kyrie. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not the biggest Kyrie fan, right? And I've, I've said this before. It's just. If they end up doing this Harden trade, it completely changes it for me, though. Um, if yeah, that, then that was a big caveat. If they do the Harden trade and they somehow maneuver their way through that, I think they have a chance to. They pretty much are the best team in the East. But if they can't, if they have to rely on an injury-prone Kyrie, injury-prone now um, KD, they're gonna need the depth of a the, of a Levert, a Dinwiddie, uh, Jared Allen to carry that's the load. For when those guys aren't playing, because other, if they don't, if they get into the playoffs and they're barely making it. I just don't think they're going to end up um, getting to the point where you can reliably say, "Oh yeah, this team's going to beat the next team in a grueling four game, four to six, four to seven game series." They might be like, you know, they might be uh, a third or fourth seed, but then they'll end up facing uh, a Raptors team in the first round, which is going to take them to a game seven, irrespective of who you have. Or not irrespective, of course. If they have Harden, I'm sure they can beat the Raptors. But it's going to be a tough, grueling series, and that's going to be 
them getting to those uh, what's profiled as their uh, kind of ceiling where it's Eastern Conference Finals, competitive Eastern Conference semis to potentially even a finals team, um, it, it's, it's going to put a dent on things, um, for me at least. And I guess, Roger, you have a different opinion, so uh, go ahead. Yeah, for me, I mean, the only question mark for me is obviously chemistry and injuries. Other than that, I have them penciled in as a the most talented team in the East. But if they can stay healthy, and they, I don't even think that they need great chemistry. I think they just need to not hate each other. I think that that, that is... No, you, know, you, know, you know what they need to do? They just really need to buy... Have you guys seen the, the Sage thing that Kyrie's been doing? The ritual thing that he's been doing uh, pre, pre-game? No, what Everybody is he Everybody just needs to buy it. No, no, so he's been... Um, what was it? It was, it was the last game. He's been doing this Sage um, burning something or whatever. No, uh, are you serious? Thing before, yeah, before the game. Bad vibes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, I don't know. What is it? Ward off... I take it back. Demons, I... demons and evil spirits. I take it back. They're imploding for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, everybody, listen. Everybody just needs to buy in on that practice, and uh, and once they do, um, I'm sure they can. You know, uh, Kyrie went to Tulum and the coronavirus. Kyrie went to Tulum and coronavirus and picked up a becoming a shaman. What the hell? Are you serious? I I, I think that, yeah. Like, I can't believe he's a sage burner. Holy crap! That's crazy. He is a sage burner. Also, I. Uh, no, I, I in, in all in all seriousness, I do believe in the Brooklyn Nets because I think that they have the plumbing, the only plumbing in place that would work. The only person that could deal with a crazy guy like Kyrie is another crazy guy in Katie. And I think they, the only just gonna, coach that are you Kyrie really find each other out. Yeah, essentially, <laughs> you two put two guys together, they'll, they'll figure it out. Or I mean, I could be completely wrong. I don't. There's no science to this, but I also. Think I also really like the, the hire of Nash as the head coach. I think Kyrie and Katie always have this thing against media or even coaching that you guys aren't players, so you don't understand how we feel. So I think with Nash, it's someone that can really have a voice and someone who was really smart, you know, with the thing. And with with basketball, we know well, we actually don't know how good of a coach Nash is, but you know, from his playing days, he's a high IQ player. Um, and then you bring in Mike D'Antoni, their offense is going to be incredibly to watch, I, incredibly fun to watch. But we'll see what their defense. But I, I am very bullish on the Brooklyn Nets. I like their roster and I like their team. So, okay. Um, out of seventy-two games, how much do you think? How many wins do you think regular season? Seventy-two. No. Seventy-two and all. Let's go. <laughs> Um, probably anywhere between, I would say, I would say 48 to 50, somewhere in there. Okay, so 50 and 22, or 48 and 24. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. last year, last year, well, let's not compare last year, but, okay. Yeah. So, so Nikki, how many uh, wins do you think? Um, yeah. I mean, even though I was putting them under the novelty list, um, I still think that you know, if, if things go well, I think they'll they'll probably hover in the high seven, uh, high forties, um, in terms of wins. So yeah, around like forty six to forty eight wins, I think would be would be probably uh, what I'll see. I see. Now I'm gonna sound like a hater. I think they're gonna get close to like forty two wins. 
Interesting. I, I think the whole, the whole injury thing for me is just, just it's, it's too. Again, this is the caveat is they don't get hardened. Um, but yeah, I just don't see them. Then the chemistry issue and the injury issue, I think, are the two big uh, what ifs. I was looking at actually the prediction. Five thirty-eight has them at uh, forty wins. With a 85% chance of making the playoffs, with a 4% chance of making the finals, and a 1% chance of winning. A 1% chance? Yeah. Do it. Do They're listed as, what is this? I think the 14. 13th best team in the league, uh, according to 538. Uh, if they were at full strength. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I hope it works out because I legitimately like. KD a lot minus the fact that you know he went to the Golden State Warriors and you're you're completely allowed to do that of course live your life but as a basketball fan you never want to see that right and um, it sucks that he did it and that's why but being in this team you only have one super real superstar you can be like yeah you can make a mark and prove something I guess to, to the rest of us that you know he's the legit he can carry the team um or be the number one or two guys. So I hope for the best, but yeah, that's it. Turns out roughly 538 kind of agrees with me. They have, I'm just looking at it, not 40 minutes for 40 and 32 for the year for the Nets. Yeah, Roger, what what team did you have under your novelty list? Um, for me, um, I think a lot of people have been talking about. I mean, I can have, I have two. I mean, you guys can feel free. I mean, a lot of people are very bullish on the Pelicans. And the Hawks, they're both young teams that have obviously made some offseason additions. I just don't think it's enough for either of those teams. Um, Atlanta, maybe, because the East is terrible. But the Max, I see them slipping in as an eighth seed or some like an eighth seed. Because um, last season, we had like a really strong six teams. I think those six teams will be the same up until, yeah. you know, the pace. And I think the last one, we obviously, you know, the Brooklyn Nets, that's, a, that's in my opinion, a playoff lock. Like, their yeah. talent is enough to get the playoffs in the East. So I think the Atlanta Hawks might be able to squeeze into the eighth, but it would really shock me if they surpassed that. A lot of people are talking like Atlanta would be, um, you know, higher up on that. You know, obviously, yeah, they added Gallo, Rondo, um, Bogdanovich. So, um, you know, I think those players are – fine they're nice additions but i don't really think there's still like there's just still needs to be a cohesion a system to be developed like you know talent like we've seen through and through again right an organization is like the continuity is really key and we haven't seen like i can't remember over the last two decades where you just threw together a bunch of young players and they were able to make it stick right like it's just, you know, the NBA has always been a superstar Drew league, and I think it will continue to be so. And I think every decade there comes like, you know, like one kind of team effort kind of team, and that's even usually with vets, right? So we can attest that to like what the 2014 Spurs with, with the downfall of, uh, you know, Tim Duncan on the latter part of his career, and you got Kawhi, and then the 2003 Pistons with, you know, Chauncey and, you know, their whole starting five. So I, I don't know. I'm really not sold on young players. People love the Pelicans too. West is, I have, I think I give Pelicans like almost a zero chance of making, like if they, <laughs> they see, 
West is just way too competitive. For the Hawks, I could see them squeezing in as an eighth, but both those teams, I think that people, if the people think that they're a lock for the playoffs, I just think that that's, that's just not true in my at least. So I had two, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. What are the guys' thoughts on those two teams? Um, yeah, no, I think it's exactly. I I don't think Atlanta's going to make uh, the eight seed. And um, this, I'm going to talk about the team I think that will in the arrive section of this conversation. Uh, but yeah, like the top seven are more or less locked: Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Indiana, Miami, Philly, and Brooklyn. So, you you as the Atlanta Hawks, are you going to be competing better against? The Magic, the Hornets, the Wizards, and the Bulls. Uh, you could, and I to be honest, last year they got 20 wins. Um, Orlando made it with 33 wins. Uh, okay, that's a 45% win rate. That's uh, 45 times 22. That's 32 wins you have to win. Do they improve from a 30% win rate, which is um, that comes out to 0.3 times 22, 21 wins. They have to win an extra 10 games to get to the playoffs this year. Uh, do they do that? Uh, I'm, I'm not what sure. What did they finish last year? They finished second last at 20 wins. Only one one win more than Cleveland. Okay. And they had, they had I think the the, the worst op, um, defensive rating in the East. Actually, in the mm-hmm. NBA, sorry. <laughs> and and again, so now we can get to the whole additions and subtractions aspect. They added um, Gallo, which. He's going to help them offensively. Uh, they added Chris Dunn, which I think is a really a pretty decent defensive um, addition. But is it enough to justify what was the worst defense in the uh, in the NBA? I personally don't think so, and I agree with Roger in that. Like, this team is going to be uh, probably the 10th seed, 11th seed. Uh they're probably going to be better. Well, that's that's an that's an improvement than last year. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the way you do it. But it, <laughs> like again, their their offense is great. They they had, you know, they had a mid. They had like the seventh best offense uh, at 118, 111, 112 points per uh, possession. And if you're able to cut those opposition points from like a 120 that they had last year to maybe a 115, I think they're competitive. That can help them. But 115 puts them into what was like the Brooklyn Nets last year, pretty much that, that level. And defensively, do I think they have it? I just, I don't think Gallo makes you that better player. Chris Dunn, maybe, but their, their guard lineups are so crowded with Trey Young, Bogdan, Rajon, Herter, um, that, Having giving him enough minutes to justify his de- defensive presence, I think it's gonna be hard. Yeah, well, I mean, Ray Rajon's just really just there to earn a check in, you know, fill in the uh, the Carter role basically. Right. I feel like right because he's like Rondo is like mid thirties right right now. Um, yeah, so he's, he has enough. He's thirty two. Uh, uh, oh, okay, that's not that's not too bad. So he'll see playing time for sure. Oh, sorry, thirty four, thirty four, sorry, thirty four. Okay, yeah. So it's mid mid thirty. So he's really there just to like really mold all, all the guards with really specifically like Trey Young, um, and also you know Rondo's pretty pretty good defensively as well. So trying to help him uh, on that. Um, yeah, I, I mean I think like they're young, but defense is obviously the the issue. 
Um, Tim, you were saying that they were allowing 120 points last year. Their well, their, their defensive rating was uh, was 119.7 points per game. Wow. Sorry, yeah, that, that is, yeah. They were they were allowing 119.8.7 points per game. That's that's crazy. Well, gone are those days when we saw like San Antonio against Detroit. They were like, oh, you know, um, scoring like 80, 89 points. <laughs> yeah. What happened to that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it's one twenty. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, they they're losing each game on average by eight points. Um, <laughs> you just can't, I think, be successful as a team if you allow that. And may, again, their offense maybe improved. Maybe that comes up to instead of one hundred and twelve points per game, they end up getting to like one hundred fourteen. But you're still looking at you know, six point per game difference that puts you into the New York, New York Knicks territory, and I don't think anybody wants to improve to become a New York Knicks team. Nope. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I think those are good novelties. I had another one, and I, I say this every year, so I'm going to say it again. But uh, I don't think the Celtics are as good as um, they're slated. They're projected to be the second best team uh, this year uh, in, in the East. Argue, according to some, I just think that losing uh, losing guys like Wanamaker um, is going to be a big kind of, and I can't believe I just said Wanamaker is going to make a, a big difference, but I just don't see the uh, Tatum and Brown improving enough to justify. I actually, as I'm saying this, honestly, I kind of believe in this. I kind of don't. It's just. And their projections are going to be they have to make the finals, right? Or am I wrong in that? Like, do they fall short of expectation if they make the fi- if they don't make the finals? I think their fans would say fall short. I think from a personal standpoint, I think the Boston Celtics, if they've made the conference finals, a top four team, then it's a see- it's a successful season for them. I think their fans would disagree with me, but I believe that. If they made the, if they're a top four team and they make the conference finals, I would say that would be a successful season. But I don't know. Um, I think Boston Celtics are good. I think that the Tatum, the combo of Tatum and Brown, um, even from a young age, right? Like we can, they're what Tatum's rookie season and they made the conference final and took LeBron to Game Seven, and I think that they definitely have the capacity. I would say to be contending team but I, I i think that they're still missing that extra piece and i don't think kemba was that piece i think if they had i love kemba he's a great player but i just think that he wasn't the piece to push them off the top yeah and, I, and they had a thompson too which is i think a really sneaky good pickup for them and yeah. jeff teague is also a good one but again i, I guess for me the reason that they'll fall short is I think they have to like dominate in the first two rounds to be considered um, an improvement from last year, because they, again, and we can go back to the Raptors conversation. They arguably should have beat us. They they should have beat us quite handily, um, in the way we were playing. But it was again with two quote unquote super uh, pretty big superstars and and how they're being paid at least with Tatum and Brown. You'd expect us to get washed pretty much in that series but we took it to pretty much one possession within one possession of the of us winning that series so the the reason i have them in this list is just i'm not seeing enough 
to see the improvement compared to last year where we see them as as that team um, to beat, which I think is going to be the best team this year in the East is Miami again. Um, I just don't see it, personally. Uh, Nikki, you can go into your next one, I guess, uh, if you, unless you guys have something to add. Uh, for novelty? Yeah. Or if you don't have another novelty, that's fine, too. Maybe we can move. Like maybe we can do one each for Bookum, and then you know. Yeah, yeah know, well, whatever works. Yeah, yeah, that's fine too. If you have a Bookum too, uh, go, go, go. Okay. Um. So the the Bookum, uh, this one is just like like they're gonna be like in the finals type of type of thing for sure, or it's just like they're gonna be a solid solid like playoff contender. Is well, yeah, they're gonna be a chip contender pretty much. Is the way I was hoping. I was thinking about them. Yeah, um, I actually had the Celtics on this list, um, but you, you guys already like pretty much brought up all, all of the points that I kind of have. Um, I think that with their past experience, although they've had a you know minor adjustment to their roster every every year, um, so the, they still have experience to rest on, which is great. Um, they I, I liked the guys that they drafted this year in uh, Nesmith and. Um, and Pritchard, um, I like the guys that they picked up. You already mentioned with Teague and and, and Thompson. Um, for me, the biggest thing, obviously, I still I agree with Roger. They are still missing a piece. Um, Kemba's still good for them. For me, it's just like how does Kemba's health look like, um, and also what does their bench look like on top of what they currently have? Like, do they need to make even more adjustments to the current bench that they have? Um, for them to be um, a little bit more successful than they were in, in, in past seasons. Um, I think they probably need some sort of like veteran presence and, and, and someone who maybe is in kind of like the forward to like the, pretty much like a front court kind of position um, where, where they can kind of be like a little bit more versatile. Like a guy that I'm thinking about in my head is like, a guy that um, like Andre Iguodala, like I like that kind of guy, which may or may not be kind of um, conflict with Tatum and, and Brown sister kind of in that position, but just a guy with some sort of veteran veteran presence and have been in the playoffs for for some time. Like I kind of want to see that type of guy on their team, which I don't think that they have. I don't consider Thompson that guy, like Tristan Thompson. <laughs> um, um, but uh, but yeah, like biggest question is is Kemba's health and really just the rest of their bench. Um, if they can figure those things out, I feel like they can contend for a chip. Obviously, like you said, Tim, Miami's right there, um, and they'll be better than they were last year. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. But uh, yeah, that's why uh, that's why I have the Celtics on this list. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think Tristan's gonna be actually surprisingly good for them. They've they've missed that kind of guy, and. I think it was back in when Kyrie went on the, on the Celtics. I think they were considering some kind of a trade involving both of them. Uh, but I think oh. he's going to help a lot. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it'll be a valuable thing. But, um, but yeah. So you, so you have Boston as you know one of the bookums. Hmm. Okay, Roger. What, what about you? I mean, I don't want to give like an obvious one. So. <laughs> 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 just pick something a little more well I can go with mine if, it, if it's not um, I mean, go okay. for it man 
I, I'm, I'm gonna have the Nuggets uh, as a as an as a bookum team this year because, and again, their run through the playoffs was <laughs> as Cinderella as you can kind of get. To, you know, having two, being down two, three to one series and coming back to win. And Jamal Murray had a big coming up party, and I think he's that dude uh, who. At this point, it's undoubtable that you can give him the ball if you need a bucket, and he'll get you that bucket uh, within less than a minute to go. Um, and if he's able to continue and bring that forward into this year, and if he's able to continue shooting a three as, as consistently as he did, it, it's the additions of a Michael Porter Jr. who's had another year to – who seems to be healthy, and I think he's going to have a large role now um, on this team. And just uh, organizational kind of learning that you've had from this playoff series, I think they're going to be uh, – this team is going to be a problem in the West. Are they going to be better – and they're arguably, again, the, a top three team right now uh, for me uh, behind the Lakers and the Clippers. But, yeah, I, I had I had the Nuggets. Um Nuggets in, in as a bookum team. Do you think their roster is good as is, or do you think they need another piece? They could probably get about a two guard. Uh, I mean, they've been trying to get rid of Gary Harris, but he keeps getting injured every year, so nobody wants him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the two guard position probably is where I improved a little bit uh, because they're, they're, their lineup is. Is you know in crunch time is going to be probably the Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Michael Porter, Jr., uh, one of Jamichael Green or Paul Millsap and Nikola Jokic, right? Um, and again, and this is one of the kind of cool things is they have Monte Morris, and then I think the Denver's is their problem is they just have too many good guys. Like PJ Dozier arguably could be a rotation player on, um, you know, getting thirty minutes a night on a lot of teams in this league, but they have to have him as like the third guy pretty much coming off the bench for them. Um, but yeah, they can run like a lineup with Jamal Murray and Monte Morris, but I just think Gary Harris, if they can and Malik Beasley was that guy, but they just couldn't pay him. Uh, but yeah, that's probably the only big one I could think of. Yeah. I, I mean, Denver, I really like. Um, I'm going to go with, I guess, like I don't want to give something obviously like the Lakers or something boring like that. Um, one of the bookums, I'll say I'll have the Clippers in there. Um, I think that they had a really bad season, you know, um, and I, like where they fell short of expectations. But, you know, the reality of things was real. They were 3-1 up on the Nuggets. And it doesn't mean that, that you know, the Nuggets obviously are a fantastic team with a lot of great players. But I think a lot of that has to do when you're up 3-1, it's a lot of that mentally you got to be mentally tough you got to make adjustments i think they had a culture and a system there that you know i think with your first season together with any kind of super team um, kind of like when we had with my we have these really really high expectations and they don't always meet them granted not even making the conference finals was kind of pretty sad for the clippers um but i think that you know they have pieces there they have the talent there i think one season under their belt is going to make them better they're going to know that in order to win a championship 
they can't be arguing about this load management stuff or this preferential treatment, right? And I, I'd hope that the management, if there are players who, you know, still have um, issues towards that, they would really, um, you know, they would probably ultimately have to make some moves. I like the addition of Serge Ibaka. We all know what Serge did for the Raptors. Him and um, him and Kawhi have a good chemistry there. So you have another guy who's there who's just a seasoned veteran, a professional, and a good leader and a good vocal guy on the team. You had like a shooter in Luke Kennard, stretched the floor a little. Uh, you know, a concern I do have is obviously still at that point guard position who's really running their plays and who's really setting them up. Uh, but with the Clippers, I think bringing in Tyron Lue, a coach that, you know, I think the players around the league, you know, personally, I've never really seen as an X's and O's guys, but, you know, with a talented team, you, you kind of need a guy who is a clear, respected head coach. And I think a lot of players around the league have been asking for Tyron Lue. So I think a new change of pace. And I think the Clippers having one season under their belt to kind of say, hey, look, we really screwed this up the first season. Let's get it right. I think I'll book them for at least the conference finals, and I have them against the Lakers. So that's what I think. That's What do you guys think about um, what's it called uh, with, with the Clippers thing? What do you guys think about what they're going to do between Patrick Beverly, uh, Lou Williams, and Hugh Jackson, I think, is really the three main cards. Right? Do you guys think they're going to make any moves with that? Um, to kind of upgrade, kind of to your point, Roger, in their in their point guard position to kind of you know solidify some sort of like leadership type of um, type of role on that team. Yeah, I mean to answer your question, absolutely. I think that their front office probably fishing around, right? But point guards are always in high demand, like quality, quality point guards. That's a that's a tough get from any team, right? So um, their problem I mean, also is they just have no cap space. <laughs> They're not this yeah, no. Where are their draft picks, right? Like, ooh, it's, it's going to be tough, right? They're going to have to... Uh, uh, Zubach and Lou. Lou is actually a really good trade piece. Um, that he makes $8 million a year. It's in an expiring contract. The only problem is you kind of need Lou, especially in the playoffs, to be that off the bench scorer for you. Um, they could theoretically... Uh, they have, you know, they have Patrick Patterson at three million, uh, and they have Terrence Mann. Like, there you can scratch up maybe five to six million in salary, uh, but I don't think they're gonna get better through a trade. They can maybe sign somebody on the waiver wire uh, midseason, but I think what the team you see with the, the Clippers this year is what you're gonna get um, in the playoffs. They get a. They're just gonna have to sign Jeremy Lin. I heard he's still available. So. <laughs> no, 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 the Warriors signed him. No, he, oh, he, I know it's not official. Yeah, he yeah. cleared the. I don't think he yeah, cleared the line with the FIBA. Yeah. Um. Do you think you think the Clippers are missing? Uh, what what's it called? Uh, what's that guy's name? Hero. Uh, Kildris Alexander. Oh. Okay. Kildris Alexander, because he was he was uh he was a uh, he's he's he was really good for OKC. I don't. I don't think so because you got again on paper you got Paul George and the on paper player Paul George is I think you do that trade a hundred times out of hundred. Um, again, now if they blow up then this year and they don't do well, um, that can be the case. But no, I don't think they do. Yeah, it is, I, I think the Clippers' issue is is 
they they have the talent and they're gonna have to do you know your hope is that it was last year it was like miami 2010 pretty much um yeah or, or 2011 i guess uh, yeah, i mean last crazy year right with the bubble too right that's a whole nother experience where these guys had to come off basically an off season to get ready for the season too right so i'm sure living in la is uh quite easy to get sidetracked off of your main goal so but yeah i mean that's just my take on it yeah and uh, i think the whole problem with hey look everyone's getting special treatment i'm hoping that they're all adults and they're like listen man let's just air this stuff out let's talk about it whatever the problem is figure it out um and they work, work on it and then you know that kind of stuff i feel as though you can work on all this and figure it out and kind of get to the point where uh you can figure out that look man if we if we are on the same page we're contending for a chip and they get there so uh, i agree with you i think there are a lot too i think they're this is like a new cycle thing it sells clicks is make it a big issue i don't think it's as big of an issue as people are making out to it um Kawhi's health is a different thing and paul george's health is a different thing especially been hoping that that gets better but from a standpoint of their chemistry, I think they'll, they'll be better for sure. Um, Nick, Nick, what do you have as your, your bookum? My bookum? I guess at the Celtics. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, you said the Celtics. Okay, great. Um, yeah, okay, then I, we may as well just go on and, and go to the horizon, um, unless you guys want to add anything else for the Clippers. No? No, I think I'm good to talk about the horizon now. All right, this, this one, one this this one is going to turn some heads, and I'm going to say uh, the Wizards are uh, have arrived, and not only have they arrived, I think they're going to contend for a top five, uh, um, top five seed in the in the Eastern Conference. I will I will say the the depth chart uh, for the Wizards in this coming year. That Russell Westbrook, that Brad Beal. They have uh, Troy Brown, Rui Hachimura, and Thomas Bryant as their starting five. What we know about the NBA is you need two top 15 guys to be contending, two top 15, two top 20 guys to be a contending team in this league. They have that in Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Um, what about the Raptors 2019? Sorry? What about the Raptors 2019? <laughs> well, we're a special breed, man. <laughs> um, hey, arguably, uh, oh, no. Fred, if he, he, that's his, that's his ceiling, right? He, Fred Van Vliet, top 15 player in the league. Top 20, top 20. He, he has the ceiling. He'll be there. This is the, this is the bias. This is where the bias comes in. Like the homegrown fan. Yeah, yeah, um, But yeah, so like, and again, of course you're going to have exceptions, but um, on the aggregate, you need a top two, two, at least top, at least one to two top 20 players. Top 20. That, that range of, of players to be a contending team. And, um, they have that in Russ Westbrook and Bradley Beal. And the, the biggest thing for me is this is something that, I, again, Russ has never had pretty much since the original, about the 2011-2012 season where um, uh, OKC was really contending to be a you know that team that could win the chip. Is what's going to be a, a big point of his offense is going to be the pick and roll and the pick and pop pretty uh, Running with Bradley Beal with Davis Bertans. Oh yeah, sorry, I, I didn't even mention Davis Bertans. Um, and 
and Rui and all these guys where you're arguably going to have, he's going to have more space this year than he's probably had since those, um, the mid-2010s and early 2010s. It, Beal last year was, um, you know, he shot with, I think, 42% from three. Uh, 42.5% from three. Um, Davis Bertans on catch and shoots has shot 43% from three last year. Uh and, and Bertan, I'm sorry, and Beal uh, got assisted something like 250 times um, on, on his baskets last year. So pretty much what we're talking about is a team that uh, can space it, you can you can assist them, and being led by guys like Bradley Beer and Russ Westbrook, I think, ha- is enough for them to get something like, you know, what is it, like 60, 40, 40, like 52-53% of your wins uh, for that and for next year. And that puts you roughly in that 5-6 to six seed. Um, and a lot of people are saying, oh, things might not work out. Russell, we've seen him uh, not do as well with Houston and, and OKC the final year. Look, last year's Houston team, was the, we're seeing that now, it's, it was a complete shit show. Uh, Harden wasn't they really there and just the team chemistry and all those things. Westbrook is a competitor guy. The East is weaker. I think this team is going to overreach you. That's my that's my right team. I don't know if you guys agree or not. I like the Wizards, man. I just think that uh, I like the Wizards. I just think that I like Brooklyn more than the Wizards. I think, but like if you're talking about in terms of making the playoffs, yeah. I mean, talking about the teams, I think that's the teams that we like. We have the seven already locked in, and I think the Wizards are the eighth team. And then the seeding, I mean, can be shuffled around a little bit depending on injuries and scheduling and all that, right? um, Yeah, I mean, I like the Wizards. They look good on paper. Um, I just don't think them – I don't see them going past the second round. That's just my thing. Um, That might be a historical bias where I haven't seen Bradley Beal – um, have success winning. I know he's a fantastic player. Um, and also Russell Westbrook, I've never really seen him have success other than playing with KD, right? But, you know, if you put them together, Bradley Beal is that offensive threat. We'll, we'll see. The East is definitely weaker. But, you know, the top four teams, let's just say Miami, the Bucks, um, the Celtics, and, I mean, who was there? The Last season or the Brooklyn Nets? Last year with Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Indiana, Miami. Right, yeah. So, yeah, and even Indiana, that's not the easiest team to beat. I just have the Brooklyn Nets higher than them, so I could see maybe the Wizards making it out of the first round, but, I mean, all four of those top teams are proven, established, good teams, and there's a lot of question marks around the Wizards, but I definitely have them making the playoffs. I like them. And I'm rooting for them. But. Do you, Do you think they win more than uh, was it 33, uh, uh, 46, 47 percent of their? Um, okay, so last year they won thirty five percent. No, sorry, thirty five percent of their games. Um, that yeah, I would say that. I'll put them yeah, at twenty five wins this year. Um, the over under is at thirty three wins this year. I have them at least like a five hundred team. Okay, like, I think that's where they are, like at least a five hundred. Okay. Um, I guess do you still want to talk about the Wizards, or do you guys want me to talk about my arrive team? Nick, yeah. Um. But yeah. No. I'll just like give a quick thought on, on the Wizards. Um. I think they'll be all right. 
Um, like, you know, obviously, you know, the two all-stars are, are who they are and you don't really need to go get into those uh, or get into that rather. Um, I just want to see like what, what the rest of the team can really do. Um, so for me to be like, yeah, they can be a solid like fifth seed and, and make it um, at least to like a second round type of thing. Um, I think they'll be like average. They're not going to be like, not going to blow you out of the water. Um, but yeah, that's just, that's just how I feel on, uh, on the Wizards. But uh, but yeah, no, Roger, you can talk about your, uh, your arrive team. Yeah, so I guess my arrive team, I mean, they technically should, should have arrived like three seasons ago, but... <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers and you know I can oh, wow. be wrong on this but I see I could I could honestly see them going to I don't I don't want to say the finals because I'm not that bullish on them but I could see them going to the conference hey, finals wait 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 while you bring this team up by the way we were right about them last year where we said um you know the loss of Jimmy Butler and uh uh JJ is going to be way bigger than most people seem to think and that's exactly what happened sorry yeah I'm no you, but yeah hundred percent. Um, this season, I, I like what they've done, right? They've really thought about the holes that they have in their team. And some of the holes that were addressed is like one, they didn't have a backup center for Joel Embiid. I like the addition of Dwight Howard. He's a great like lob threat. And I think Ben Simmons is like, he can't shoot to save his life, but I think Ben Simmons is a great passer, a great facilitator. And the moves that Daryl Morey's had to add like Danny Green and Seth Curry to like space out the shooters. I think, you know, last season, you know, the 76ers had the talent. I mean, they're talented. Their roster composition is kind of poor. I think that Ben and Embiid having another season together, um, they're going to be a little smarter. I, I'm, I'm not hundred percent sold on this team, but I definitely think that they're going to look a lot better than they did last year. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I think they have the talent that's there. I think that Daryl Morey isn't done with the team. Um, I think that they have a new coaching coach. Honestly, I'm not the biggest fan of Doc Rivers, but I think it is an upgrade over Brett Brown, to be fair. Um, so a new coaching staff, a new uh, president of basketball operations and you bring in shooters around Ben and Joel. And I think, um, in the East that that team is capable of contending for, uh, you know, an Easter conference, uh, title. So yeah, I would, I have them under arrived, re-arrived, I would say, cause <laughs> for um, but yeah, let me know your guys, the spots on the 76ers. Yeah. That's I, 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 that Seth Curry edition is gonna is so underrated. That guy is gonna have the most amount of space that you know we saw with JJ Redick um, when he was on the on the team. And again, big, that's why I was surprised that a lot of people were high on the Sixers last year. Losing a guy like JJ Redick and what he does from three, uh, you know, he's, he's guaranteed to get you something like two hundred threes a, a year. And, and losing him was. It was, it was silly for them to do that. Um, and bringing a guy like Seth Curry, who also shoots, uh, I think last year he shot something like 43% or something like that. Mm-hmm. Actually, let me just get the actual numbers down. Yeah, um, yeah people sleep on sleep on him being like everybody talks about, you know, Steph, right? But Seth, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a heck of a shooter. And he's... Um, He's in a great system, honestly. With yeah, he shot forty-five percent from three last year. 
That's insane. Yeah. 45. 45. 45 week average is like what? Like like in mid 30s 30, or just 38, like I think, was the one last year. Yeah, so just imagine that Ben Simmons running down running down full speed, and then you got one side, you got Seth Curry, the other side, regular season Danny Green, you know, and you're like, oh man. Regular <laughs> season. <laughs> although although I, I would I would put an asterisk on Danny Green though. Danny Green, at least uh at least in my mind, he's he's more of a catch and shoot guy. And I'm talking about standing in the corner catching and shooting. Um I don't see him coming off screens or no, that type of thing. So I'm so I'm going to be interested to see how he's going to be utilized because obviously Doc loves to use his plays with like Ray and, and JJ in the past and, and now with Curry. Um, so I, I'm assuming it's probably going to be like you know Green's going to be used in the situation where it's like if there's a double coming and they th- throw some sort of skip pass and you move the ball, you swing the ball a couple times all the way to the corner and there you go. There, there's a clean, there's a clean corner shot. Um, but with Curry, I can already imagine it's just like. You have jo- uh, Joel and, and probably another big kind of set, setting those screens down low, and you have that you know, traditional floppy play with uh, that, that Doc loves to use and Curry coming off the, the, those screens, and it's going to be super effective. Um, it's just going to be fun to see how they play, like in their kind yeah. of and stuff like that. They also have, uh, I think, like Corkmaz and Shake Milton, two guys that they were starting to kind of experiment with a little, a little more later on in the season. So I think they do have that, like, you know, a little bit of bench depth. Hopefully, you know, Tobias Harris, he's an okay shooter. Like you said, Danny Green's more of a camp in the three. But I think the biggest thing for them is really having that spacing for Ben and Embiid to operate. Mm-hmm. And then if we see a James Harden potential trade, we'll see. But I, I like I like the 76ers a lot more this year than I did last year. Um, granted, the Eastern Conference has become tougher. So we'll definitely see, but like I wanted to give a pick that you know wasn't too obvious. I like I wanted to shout out the 76ers, and I think that they have. Uh, I think they're going to overachieve comparatively to last season. They're going to do a lot better. So uh, they have them going uh, forty-two and a half wins. I think they're going to go over that for sure. That comes out. Oh, they're going to go over that definitely. Yeah, yeah. That comes out to. Uh, 31 wins last year. Ooh. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, 42 and a half, sorry, divided by two, 59%. Um, yeah. Isn't there an absurd stat? That, that would have been, four, that's like a 48 win team, normally. Yeah, where like last season, the 76ers were sort of like. They won they 43. Were like, they were like winning 80 to 90 percent of their games at home, but like on the road, they had like a 40 or 50 percent win rate. So, yeah, I'm curious how that's going to be like you know, in this new environment where you don't have fans or you know, you don't have like I don't know, so you play off of energy, like you kind of have to spark yourself a little bit. So, we'll they're 31 and four at home, 12 and 26 away from it. Wow, 31 <laughs> that's rough. Whew. That's rough. That's, that's rough. rough, but that's actually a really good point about uh, home court, and I, I know that's actually one of the other things about the bubble is home court matters, man. Um, that was another thing, right? Yeah. And depending on their schedule, the second half of um, the rest of the year when it kind of comes out, that's gonna be that's actually a really really good point. Um, but yeah, well, that's great. I'm surprised that they're only giving him forty, and this is from Sports Interaction. They're only giving forty two and a half wins. I'm probably gonna take the over on that. <laughs> Actually, I just did. <laughs> um, why do you, Why do you guys think that they um, did so poorly um, on the road? 
last season? Is it really because of the fans? Because I feel like anytime you're playing any type of game on the road, um, it, it really forces you to be a little bit more cohesive and really look more internally, right? Because really the guys on the team and uh, on the coaching staff and all that type of stuff is really the only guys that you have. So why is it that they struggled so much on the road? Uh, that's a good question, to be honest. I mean, I think it is one of those things where I think maybe with their players, right, when you're at home, when you do get a little down, you get your fan, like when you get make one or two good plays and you get a little bit of the fans going, um, maybe that jolts like a little bit of like continued, continued efforts. I mean, for the 76ers, it's almost crazy that, like what it was saying, thirty-one and four versus twenty-two and twenty-six. That's that's almost hard to believe, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I think to attribute like to the seventy-sixers total situation, it was just like you you had one specific play style with Jimmy Butler and JJ Redick, and then you bring in a whole new cast with Josh Richardson and Al Horford, and they're trying to figure things out, and you know the spacing's not there, and Ben Simmons and Embiid there players that need the ball in their hand they're not they're both not great off ball players right so you have two guys who don't really know whose team it is right the, you know i like i would say a lot of 76ers fans like probably like Embiid more but at the same time ben simmons has a lot of upside too so it's like two guys young guys trying to find what they need to do to win and i think it's just and to to Ben has no jump shot, right? He won't even take a jump shot, which is the biggest, which is really hurting his team. And I think maybe, maybe on the road when you get like you know an explosive dunk or something, you, you get a little more re-energized. Mm-hmm. And like, what the be too? I would say he just—if you guys have ever watched him play—he just looks like he has a lot more fun playing in Philadelphia. Remember his stupid airplane, <laughs> like. Oh. <laughs> And like you know, to Pascal's point, right? He just said like, when I'm not having fun, I don't know who I am. And I think you know, like you know, with Embiid coming to Toronto, remember like Marcus all locking him up for zero points. I just really think that they get in their own heads and they they, they just don't have fun with basketball. And I think that's the reason why they struggle so much. By the way. Um... Danny Green shot 37% from catch and shoots last year. Seth Curry, 48. Ooh. Um, and uh, just, JJ, just Redick, JJ Redick was also 47%. What about what's Danny Green's when he was with Toronto? Uh, Toronto was the year before, right? Uh, one sec. Yeah. I'm just running it out. Uh, one sec. Danny Green, the year before that, he was at 47%. So that's actually a huge change. He was 10% lower um, on catch and shoots last year versus uh, – so 47% in in the Raptors and 38% with uh, the Lakers. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's also a matter of, like, the the different systems that he he was being used in also, right? Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. I think I, I think a lot of times last year, um, he was just kind of like I I've seen him get lost a little bit um, on offense when you're trying to go to essentially just kind of like running to a spot that he could be uh, open type of thing. Um, I just feel like he was just kind of running around without really getting a lot of rhythm 
and you know well, for, for for shooters rhythm is something that you'd really need and i feel like um with the system they had with the lakers i felt i just felt like he was never really in rhythm um well here's the like thing that, here's yeah, the thing i think I think the Raptors year was just like an outlier. He's, uh, but going back up to 2015, he's shot rough anywhere from 35% to 37% catch and shoot threes. Oh, interesting. So yeah, he's, you know, around a league, well, he's like a 37% um, catch and shoot guy versus Raptors. He's just kind of, you know, we're, we're that great of a team yeah. that gets you to be that much better. Cause that's yeah, I wonder, I wonder if that outlier was caused by just like the, the amount of attempts he was also getting to in Toronto versus the other teams. San Antonio and and, uh, uh, and the Lakers. Well, he attempted roughly three a game for uh, sorry, uh, roughly four a game in San Antonio a few years ago, and the year before, I will just see you now. Sorry, talk amongst yourself. It was uh, roughly four and a half, so it, it's more or less the same. Um, four and a half with the Raptors and on the Lakers, he oh. he was at. He was at roughly four, so it's not like a big difference. I think this is this is you guys, we just we just had a better spacing from. Uh, you guys think that he is overrated or underrated? I can't believe we're having a Danny Green segment is insanity, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know. No, 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 it's, it's cool. It's cool. That's how you know we're we're fucking basketball fans because nobody else is gonna have a segment on fucking yeah. Danny Green. I, I just feel like he's he's all right. He's 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 a good shooter. Um. I just feel like he's, in my mind, he's in that, like, how Corver, he's not, not really, like, how Corver, he's just, like, one of those guys that are just, they don't really move with, like, fluidity. It's just, like, a guy that just stands in the corner. Um, and, he, you know, he's good at shooting. Right? That's, that's really, that's, like, my, like, two cents on Danny Green. Um, I so think he's I, okay. I think about Danny Green, he's a great locker guy, man. Like, even in Toronto, that's, he did like podcasts, he tried to embrace the city. Like he is a guy that I would want um, on my team. Granted, I wouldn't want to pay him the money that he's getting right now, but I would want him on a team because, you know, he does have the ability to, you know, like guys, you just don't want guys to be defensive liabilities on your team. And I think Danny Green is a decent defender. He has a lot of size and length and like he can, you know, like do a, a lot of things less. He can switch for you, so that's a key in the modern NBA to kind of like switch off of guards to like you know forwards a little bit. So he gives you a little bit of size and um, just being able to shoot the three, right? Like, I mean, he. I think Danny Green is just an incredibly streaky shooter too. Like, we we've all played with guys who are streaky shooters, and you know, I think Danny Green is one of them. So he can either be a flamethrower, it can just be. Missing every shot, so that's my take on Danny Green. But I like him as a. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I'm, I'm done with the Danny Green segment. Uh, yeah. Let's move on. But with Philadelphia, I, this Seth Curry edition is, is going to go amazingly. They have enough guys with Matisse Tybal, with uh, with Joel, with Ben, that they can hide him in, on the defensive end and on the on the offensive end. That's just going to be a that's, That's going to be a nightmare for a lot of teams. Um, mm-hmm. And and again, Matisse Thibault speaking, which if he develops a lot more than, uh, you know, if he does that Rocco kind of development, um, you're looking at a player that's going to be a, lot, a big problem in the, in the division. Um, so, yeah, the, you know, let's see, let's see if it happens. And 
I kind of agree. I think that their ceiling is in a final team um, for the East. So hopefully they figure it out. I, I, I'm not – okay, and this is going to sound stupid, but I kind of want to see how – I hope they don't do the Harden trade before like a couple of weeks into the, play, into the year uh, if they're going to do it. Um, only because I want to see how this specific team kind of develops and, and plays um, in this year's NBA. Because I, I, I do think they're, they're going to do well. And again, I mean, if you're them and you see a guy like Harden, you're probably going to do that trade. I just hope as a fan um, I get to see this team. Even though they're in our division, we hate them, but uh, it'd be kind of nice to see the basketball fans to see how they do. Um, okay, Nick, I think you're the last one up for this segment. Yeah. Um, all right, so the team that I have um, to kind of look out for, um, I should put the Pelicans on, on this list. Um, okay, I, I right. do like I do like the Pelicans. I, I think that um, for whatever reason, they, they just kind of like played pretty poorly down the stretch um, in the bubble last year. Um, I don't think they're going to have the same thing. I think with... Uh, I think what's it called? Zion's, you know, uh, like looking uh, pretty decent. Um, I, I like the acquisition of Adams. Um, I still, there, I still feel like they're they're a little far away in terms of like you know um, doing any or making any noise in the playoffs if they can get to the playoffs. But I think they're they're on that upward um, trajectory, so they're arriving. Or on the way to arriving, they're kind of stuck in customs or something, maybe. But yeah, no, I like, you know, I think, what's it called that? When, when um, everybody talked about Brandon Ingram, I think they kind of like think about him because he's, you know, tall and skinny, he can shoot and, and whatever, kind of like a KD type of thing. Um, I think he can definitely take a step up. Um, I love having uh, Josh Harden and JJ there. Um, I think they're going to be continue to be um good for them as uh, good spacers and and good cutters um i'm really interested to see how lonzo uh continues to run the the pick and roll with uh with um zion and, and also steven adams um especially now that zoe is kind of coming into his own in terms of his uh his shooting which i think will get more consistent over time um i think last year he was still kind of like feeling his form out a little bit um, but I think this year uh, he'll, he'll be a lot better. And if he can be consistent um, in his shooting ability, um, I think it'll keep defenders honest enough to to have um, to create good spacing for for Zion and uh, and Stephen Adams to to roll to the rim and then kick out to the shoot, shooters if, if needed. So, so they're on their upward trajectory. I feel. So do you think they're going to be they're going to be competitive enough to be in like the playing tournament? You know, seven, eight, nine, ten kind of range. They're gonna be look again. So, so we, if you look at the West Conference, you have the Lakers, you have the Clippers, you have the Nuggets, you have um, you have Utah, you have Dallas, Portland, um, which is six. Memphis, that's seven. So who's you know? So yeah, so Memphis again. I think they're gonna be that seven to ten range. Um, so you're yeah. probably arguably going to have Memphis, um, again, if you believe in them, Phoenix, Sacram- uh, San Antonio, Sacramento, New Orleans, they're five teams for those four spots. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to have, yeah. Which, which I think, I think you're completely right. And I think they're probably going to be in that contention, right? Yeah. 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 Ye
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was still, I, I wonder how the Being Sons will do um, this season. Um, if they don't really have good chemistry um, kind of consistently throughout the season, I feel like Pelicans can possibly sneak in there. Because I feel like, you guys feel like the West is um, strong, but like not as strong as years past? I do, because uh, Durant's in the East now. Um, uh, oh, yeah, Westbrook is in the West East. In the East now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. so there, there's room there. And uh, maybe Harden too. So. Okay, but like, let's, I mean, in the West, who do you guys have for your locks? I mean, I'm just curious about that. Because, I don't know. Let me get a list of teams first. <laughs> Yeah. For me, I will, for the West, I have Lakers. I got the Clippers. Yeah, let me get the list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can't get uh, all of them off the top of my head. Let's, uh, let's see here. Well, well, you, 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 so you have Lakers, Clippers. Then... I, still have, I still have Denver there. Yeah, Denver. I think Rockets, if James Harden plays the whole season, they're still a playoff team. Yeah, for sure. He's going to get you 60%. Oklahoma, Oklahoma was the fifth seed. I believe they drop out. We have the, And then we have the Jazz, the Mavericks, and the Blazers. So I think seven of those eight teams are still making it. I think, I mean, I hope everybody agrees that Jazz, the Mavs, and the Blazers are still playoff teams. Yep. The Mavs pending, obviously, Porzingis' health. Oh, maybe they have Luca, man. Yeah, and then they have at least kind of one slot, and I think, you know, that one slot, we're probably in all debate amongst ourselves between the Grizzlies, the Suns, the Pelicans, or the Golden State Warriors. Personally, I would put Golden State because I think that if Steph remains healthy for the whole year, they yeah, have yeah. Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, James Wiseman, Draymond Green, there's a lot of weapons on that team. I think that that is, I, if I were to pick, I would either pick the Suns or the Warriors, just because both of those teams have established players. Like, I think Chris Paul is a, a veteran, a leader. Every team he's gone on has been a winning team. So I do think that the Phoenix Suns will do better than what they did last season. I think they'll be closer to a 500 team, but. Like Tim said, the West is incredibly competitive, so it's very difficult to even say, right? So thirty-eight and a half wins is they have Golden State, and that puts it at like you know one game above fifty percent. Well, two, mm. two and a half wins. Fair. Oh, last year Portland made it with a sub five hundred win, and they were competitive too. They were. That 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 was that was just a stretch of just like Dame just putting the Blazers on his back and just shooting like you know just getting fifty points or whatever every game. Dame is something else. They actually have Portland. <laughs> wow, this seems surprising to me too. Is uh, they have Portland winning thirty nine and a half games. That comes up to thirty nine and a half. It's like fifty two percent, I think. Fifty five. Because they added Rocco and uh, and Cancer back. Yeah, Roku's yeah. that dude, man. Okay, I'm taking the over on. Uh, I'm taking the over on that. I do really like the Roku edition. I think it's like similar to what Portland's needed. Like, what they're 
successful when they had those like like swingmen type players in their system. Yeah. And I think that like that's a Batum, a Batum type of thing. Yeah, like a Batum defensive type of thing. And I think I do it like where you're talking about with Ennis Cantor coming back. And then also they have like I like I like Mello on that role for them, right? Just coming off if he needs to come off the bench and just shoot a couple of corner threes or just give him a few touches a game where your offense kind of stagnates and you just need some scoring. Um, I think the biggest question mark for me for the Blazers is can they defend at a high level? They have the offensive pieces, but I don't necessarily know if they're a great defensive team, especially with smaller guards and like CJ and Dane. Um, but another reason they did so struggle, they didn't have Nurkic. Nurkic is a big piece of their team, and I think um, he's a hell of a player. So when they get him healthy, I think they're definitely – um, in contention for even a top four seed. They have the top for it, in my opinion. So, Yeah, yeah. it's, it's funny that you mentioned the, the defensive thing uh, for the Blazers because I remember watching them, um, I guess the Lakers, um, but you know, when they were kind of like stuck on like the pick and rolls and stuff like that, Nurkic didn't really um, like defend with with like the greatest intent, you know, when, when he gets switched off and, and he's just kind of like sort of there, but not really. Um, and then, and then you got your guards and Damon and CJ, they're not they get clipped a lot, right. On, on the screen. So it's just like, are they going to fight really hard over the screens or like, how, how is all that communication going to go down? Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they improve defensively. And if Roko, um, will be able to help their defensive rating a little bit. I, that, we'll I, I, I personally think that that addition is in itself is kind of huge. Um, he he alone, I think, is gonna make a humongous. I mean, we saw it when, even when they were playing small ball for Houston. It just he can guard one through four, um, and is among the best defenders overall in the league. And to be able to do that across four different positions is is really good. Um, and we haven't talked enough about Milwaukee, and though because I remember this because of defensive presence and Drew Holiday, and we don't have a lot of time, but. Um, you know, those kind of guys can really affect your team um, and your team defense, too, because everybody else wants to try harder and, you know, not let the team down kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think – do you guys have anything else to add on top of that for uh, for these guys, or are you good? Um, no, I mean, I think I'm pretty good. For, well, I mean, that was supposed to be us talking about the Pelicans. But, <laughs> right, 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 um, right, right. That's <laughs> true. No, I'm not talking about Pelicans. Okay. They're, they're gonna finish tenth. Well, for me, yeah, these Pelicans. I love all their players individually. I I just have a big question mark when it comes together. I mean, they're all kind of a relatively young guys, and they really haven't played together for a long time. So, I mean, we'll see this year. I I just think that all their players individually have developed their skill sets, but it all depends on how it gets together. put together. Yeah. So, um, in, I don't have the playoffs but i do have the borderline playoff team all right um oh, we're coming up to about two hours so i didn't want to go too much longer considering it's a monday tomorrow but um actually we're a bit about two hours do you guys have any other major things that you're looking out for we're going to do more of these pods for sure this year um i've been figuring out i have some things going on um for this year that are going to be kind of exciting so um do you have anything else or things you're looking out for for the year like players you're looking out let's for Raptors. themes let's go Raptors let's, let's go, go Malachi Flynn man that guy's uh, been good eh? I, 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 yeah, 
I am looking forward to the Raptors season. Um, I mean, as a Raptors fan, I'm excited, but also it's a little, I guess, for me, uh, I think that the team is honestly what might be a little weaker than last year. Well, losing Mark and Serge is tough. Um, um, but, you know, but at the same time, I'm excited for these like, new pieces, these young guys to really develop. And um, I don't know, I'm curious to see what Masai does, right? This is Lowry's contract year. I would love for Lowry to retire as a Raptor, um, but we'll see. Is there a chance Lowry, you think he gets traded this year? I think if Lowry, I think if Lowry requests for a trade, I think Masai would try to sort something out with him. So do you think? Opinion. So do you think this year is? It, it, it all depends if Lowry wants to be traded because if Lowry wants to get traded then there would be no point of us keeping like he's not going to resign a deal he's going to walk as a free agent right yeah. so ask if he tells Masai I want to be traded to a contending team I think Masai is just going to try to find the most assets he can on the market to a contending team if not then I think Lowry resigns and retires or after especially with this ne- next season this what 20 21 draft class there isn't a strong draft class so i mean they could definitely keep signing lauer to these massive like one to two year contracts we'll see i don't, I don't know curious thank you awesome or are you good too yeah, i'm good and i just want to see how the how the raptors do um more so just like defensively i want to see them kind of like building off of that or continuing that i defensive identity that they've built for themselves in the past couple of years, you know, like um, uh, they, they they got a good pickup in, in uh, DeAndre Bembry, I think that's his name, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, um, DeAndre Bembry from I, he's, he's, been playing, he's been playing pretty decently in the preseason. Um, he was good on so, Atlanta, right? Uh, it, they just had a yeah. weird, uh, weird, weird kind of system, but uh, he, he played well. Yeah, he's been, uh, even just seeing, uh, I think, what was it, watching like a game against the second game probably against Charlotte um just seeing him the way that we he that, that he was reading like reads um the way that he was cutting off ball um and and defensively as well I think he's he's gonna be uh, a really good glue guy for, for the Raptors um but I want to yeah. see Raptors improve defensively defense wins championships let's go yeah <laughs> I don't I don't think that's in the books but um <laughs> It'll be good if somehow, some way, Pascal can kind of figure out his deficiencies. I mean, we talked about it earlier, but I, I, there is a pathway to being really, really um, strong competitors, and it involves. It, honestly, God, that's him. It's it's all on him. Um, if he's great, unreal. If he isn't, then we are where we're at, and it's not going to be as great. Um, See. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm hoping he does figure it out because if he can figure it out, space the floor, and and we we lost a lot of depth this year with uh, Ibaka and um, Gasol leaving, and that's gonna hurt a lot. Um, but if Pascal can figure it out, and with the addition of Malachi, um, with Baines again, a sleepy great pick is is Baines. Uh, what he did for that Phoenix Suns team again, one of the other people are left and it's going to hurt not having them on the team um it's it, it, they're really good pickups and i'm hoping it kind of fills up the gaps well uh for us to kind of maybe at, at least be some kind be competitive and and fight for you know top five top six seeds uh in the east 
Uh, but yeah, uh, for me, I, I think I'm really, and we've talked about Marty, but I, I'm going to watch a lot of Wizards games because I want to see how well Westbrook does on, on and again, I have Beal on, on Fantasy, so that's going to be extra incentive, but I want to see how Beal does and what's going to, uh, sorry, Westbrook does in what's going to be a lot more spacing. Um, and the guy attempted like 15 field goals from the rim uh, last year, and if he can, he'll, he'll probably do that and more, I think, this year. Um, it's gonna be kind of cool, cool to see how, how that works out. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and I think it's gonna be a really interesting season too, right? Because this year, um, same with last year, there wasn't really a super super team, so you're gonna see a lot of teams going all in or feeling like if they make one big move, make big move or whatever, that they can um, contend for a championship. So I think I think a lot. Of, I think this season's gonna be really interesting. You get a lot of players. Um, debuting you get KD back in the league which is a beautiful pleasure and then I mean the east and west teams there's a lot of players being traded and move around so should be an interesting season all right boys this is, this is a lot of fun and honestly I'm, I'm happy that you know we'll put basketball back and maybe get some sense of normalcy and start 2021 off right it's still weird that basketball's starting literally at Christmas <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah it is weird all right, yeah, we'll do we'll do more of these for sure over this year, um, and um, yeah, I hope you guys have a great rest of your evening. And if you're you who are listening, thank you for you know staying on top, well, remembering us, and and we'd like to welcome you to a great twenty twenty one season for the NBA. And um, talk to you guys soon. Take care, guys.